the popular stuff isn't the, the highest quality stuff. And that's been the problem with the internet for the 25 years. It's the commercialized stuff is clickbaity. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Hey folks, welcome back to the e-commerce leader. Today we are talking about the very latest, unusually for us, we not often talk about strategy level things. We're talking about the latest tool out there, OpenAI GPT-3. A GPT chat bot is one way of putting it, but it's much, much deeper than a chat bot, as you will discover if you just Google it, OpenAI and GPT-3. So we're going to discuss today the implications for e-commerce and for business as a whole, and even for internet use as a whole. And we're going to talk today about a few things, how you can become a prompt engineer, what that is and why that matters, how you might use it as an e-commerce operations example, how this might change the quality of the internet using experience for you and of course for your consumers and how to begin using open and AI chat GPT in your e-commerce business. So hope you enjoy this. It's quite a broad sort of based discussion, but I think this is fascinating stuff. So let's plunge in and hope you enjoy the show as much as we did. There's a phrase that I heard in one of the podcasts I've listened to now. So, you know, I kind of found podcasts around these topics that I'll mention, by the way, the, but the phrase that I heard was prompt engineering or being a prompt engineer. And that's, that's, you're the human, you're a prompt engineer. And what they mean by that is like, in particular, as it relates to like the Dolly 2 program, you feed it ideas and it will come back with masterpiece works. For example, you could say, make, and these are examples I heard, but make Homer Simpson look like the Incredible Hulk. And then it'll come back with this insanely beautiful piece of art that makes Homer Simpson look like the Incredible Hulk. So the prompt that you're feeding into it is really the thoughtful, meaningful element that really starts to make this thing because you can give these things and people have many examples now with Dolly too, and with the stable diffusion app, they feed it these really obscure prompts and it comes back with things that you'd never imagine. And it's, that's the game now is you're not the artist. You're the prompt engineer. And, and I was reading a book this weekend on writing and I think it was, should have grabbed it off the shelf, but I, uh, from memory thought it was er attributed to Aristotle. He said, don't judge a man by the answers he gives. Judge a man by the questions he asks. And that is exactly the context in which we're now operating with these tools. One of the things I quickly learned when I was interacting with chat GBT was 
if I ask it a vague question, I get a vague answer or I get, or wisely, it tells me basically it depends. And like, for example, when I said, what's the most profitable food related crop you can grow on 13,000 feet of square space? And it said, it depends on where you live. So then I said, oh, okay. What's the most uh, profitable use of 13,000 square feet in Northern California? or is specifically in Yuba City, California. See, the more wise you get in your questioning, the more clear you get in terms of the outcome it'll produce. So it's very fascinating stuff, man. Just very fascinating stuff. Wow. Let's bring it back to the slightly more practical. Those who are listening, his minds are blown, but they're like, I've still got an e-commerce business to run. Tell us about how you feel this might begin to impact e-commerce corporations. Obviously it's very early days for everybody, you yeah. include, but what are your thoughts that the, the your, what are your, what's your brain teeming with at the moment? Yeah. I started to ask it questions related to e-commerce operations and have a whole list of a saved list of my chat. What I realized immediately with chat GPT is you can save your conversations. And so basically it's smart to do conversations like uh, thematically. And then, so therefore you can save it as all my questions about traffic strategies for my Shopify site. I ask it all kinds of questions about traffic. You can ask it all kinds of questions about conversion. You can ask it all kinds of questions about product sourcing. You can ask it questions about supply chain or inventory control or planning. You can ask it, and I have, what apps are best for Shopify that are powered by AI or what AI tools are already used, are being used in support of Shopify site sellers. And it gives you a list. So there's just so many ways in which you can use it to tune, perfect, refine your Shopify selling experience almost in every aspect. But I would say broadly, it would be on the, on the audience side, how to get the right audience, the traffic related on the presentation side and in on the back end side in terms of analysis, inventory controls, that kind of thing. And this is like day three of using this tool. And so it comes down to very simple things. Like I'll just mention a few, I'll tell you what I ask it, it and uh, happy to answer some additional questions, but what's the most, oh, sorry, sorry. I'm looking at my podcast chat. Let me drop down here. Let me see for Shopify sellers. What's the single best source of high quality traffic? I asked chat GPT. And it said the single best source of high quality traffic is organic search engine based on SEO strategies. And I said, well, what's the second most effective strategy for high traffic? I said, what's the second best source of high quality traffic? It knows what you're talking about when you ask a question. So you don't have to completely rephrase the question in its entirety. And it said the best, second best source of high quality traffic is paid advertising and just simple questions like that, like to point you in the right direction. And, and there's a million use cases for that. Michael, you'll be disappointed to know when I ask it the question. Oh, this podcasting is a fun topic too. So we can talk more about e-commerce, but I also have a whole string of e of podcasting related conversation here. I wanted to mention, I asked it the question, what is the most popular podcast on the topic of e-commerce? online and it didn't say the e-commerce leader you might know the answer but i'll just mention it said the most popular podcast on the topic of e-commerce is e-commerce fuel by andrew udarian very interesting and i said to it 
based on research and information presented online for podcasters, which is the better strategy for growing your audience, publishing more frequently, or going on other people's podcasts? Well, Michael, you and I have had a conversation about that a lot. And it said, it depends on the individual podcaster's goals and resources. Publishing more frequently can be, can help build a larger and more engaged audience, but it requires a lot of time and effort to produce the content regularly. Going on other people's podcast shows can also help grow your audience as it provides an opportunity to reach new audiences and build relationships with other podcasters. Ultimately, it's the best, or sorry, ultimately it is best to use a combination of both of these strategies to maximize the potential for audience growth. Yeah, very informed. It's a very, very mature. Yeah, it's correct. I think. Yeah, and so far as I can tell, after I don't know eight years and over eleven hundred episodes of podcasting, too many really. <laughs> That's about here's right. Another, uh, as far as I can here's tell. another one for you. <laughs> Based on Spotify and other podcasting platforms, statistical information. What's the optimal frequency for publishing? a podcast to grow your audience. And the response was, according to Spotify and other podcasting platforms, the optimal frequency for publishing and growing, publishing for growing your audience is once a week. And then I said, what's the optimal length for a podcast for listener engagement? And it said, according to the data, the optimal length for a podcast is between 20 and 40 minutes. Just very interesting because over time, any trade person or a tradesman in a discipline has learned those what you might call heuristics or rules of thumb. If I would have asked you that, Michael, hey, what's the optimal frequency? You probably would have said, which we've talked about, yeah, once a week's a good rhythm. You've learned that over time, but it learned it by data. And so these areas of probing your knowledge and understanding what's true and what's not very fascinating to me. Yeah. Wow. I've just been playing with it since you, you, even just playing with it while you're, yeah. you're talking to seeing what they would come out with. What's the best way to profit on Amazon? Create a product that's in high demand, off competitive pricing, optimize your product listing, take advantage of Amazon's advertising mm -hmm. options. Okay. So that's not very revelatory, but as you say, it's the kind of conversation asking better mm -hmm. questions. How do I create a product that's in high demand? First step, I need in the market, research your competitors, blah, blah, blah. Okay. How do I best identify mm -hmm. a need in the market mm -hmm. is my next question. Best way to identify a need is research your competition, that the products are already available. What needs are not being met? I said, okay, what's the best way mm -hmm. to search? Competition, you use Amazon search engine to view the product listings of similar items, blah, blah, blah. Take advantage of Amazon competitive pricing tools, can understand pricing and understand the competitive landscape. So we're starting to get a bit more nuanced. Yeah. And I said, how do I avoid getting overwhelmed when researching competition on Amazon? Because I know from experience, as you say, that the kind of heuristic, like one of the big things that's blocked people from creating an e-commerce business overwhelm, especially with competitor yeah. research. Yeah. They said the best way, to, and this is where it starts to get a gradually more nuanced and interesting, right? It's not just a generic Google article that's popped up. The best way to avoid getting overwhelmed is to focus on one product at a time. Very sensible. Break down your research into manageable chunks and use tools such as filtering and sorting options to narrow your results. Additionally, set a time limit for each research session to keep yourself on track. So it has the flavor of, on the one hand, a sort of Google article. I guess that's what it's been trained on, but, but a very, very common sense set of, as you say, heuristics, I guess, is not a bad word if that's the right word for what mm -hmm. I'm saying here. It's kind of common sense and yet it's start, it's giving very practical advice. So yeah, quite impressive. Instead of absorbing this thing, it is, as you say, it is a whole different level to anything else I've seen out there so far. It is and, insanely addictive Yeah, and it is literally, I don't recall a two hour chunk of time that I spent on any tool 
ever on the internet that was as psychologically motivating and intriguing to me as yesterday when I first interacted with this. Like when you get your first iPhone, we all can remember back, like my wife got an iPhone, whatever it was, three plus or that kind of first generation one. That was mesmerizing. Google, as I mentioned earlier in this conversation, was mesmerizing. But once you really start to get into YouTube, it can be mesmerizing to go down some of the rabbit holes of information and knowledge in YouTube. But this is a whole different level because all of us as learners, and maybe that's why I'm most piqued by this is because I, I am a ravenous learner. All of us as learners understand the limitations of the content we're consuming. If you're a podcast listener, you understand the limitation of you're not getting everything you needed through podcasts. If you're a book re reader, you get that. If you're listening to audible books, you get that or YouTube channel. You understand that it's not a elegant learning media. Just raw download of content is not an elegant learning media or medium. It, but this is like speaking to the Oracle of Delphi. And that is a whole different level. I just, I didn't think AI was going to impress me ever. I didn't care about it for a long time. I was like, this doesn't, who cares? This is just for the nerds at Neuralink or wherever Silicon Valley that are geeking out over some make it play chess against somebody and who cares? This is just totally different than that. And I think if you're listening to this and you don't know what we're talking about, you can simply go get a free account. We're not selling anything here. <laughs> you, you get a free account on OpenAI. Michael, you just did this morning, right? I literally have done it since we've been on air, which seems a bit unprofessional, but I just yeah. thought I've got to hear about this and just reading in real time what you've been discussing. And <laughs> it is the fact that it's via text, I think it can also fool people. I think it's not about the medium. We get very confused about this. I think in, it's not even about the buzz. I think what excites me is the same thing that you've mentioned is the quality of the research that goes into the answer and yeah. that excites me because the, the insights mostly mean about breadth more stuff yeah. more noise more images more words but the quality has not been a, a feature of the internet as a whole thing really compared right. to say a book until now and i think that feels like it's really changing me that's the impression that i'm getting from what you said and the little i played with it it's and almost that's different yeah it's almost the opposite of that on the internet for the last 25 years the crap rises to the top and it, and you learn over time that, okay, if you want to learn something and you Google it, you'll get a listicle, the seven ways to keep your car running great, or the six ways to improve your Shopify store. And generally those listicles that Google loves are crap. And it's really infuriating, particularly when you get a bad set of listicles, like, and they have a really sexy hook, like. The seven ways to double your memory or IQ. And then you read the listicle, the seven ways, and it's like the stupidest stuff ever. Go to bed a little earlier every night. It's like ridiculous stuff. And then what you realize is, oh, if you really want to know something, you have to go find the PhD research papers or the books that were never popular or the interviews on YouTube that have 120 views. You know, you, the popular stuff isn't the, the highest quality stuff. And that's been the problem with the internet for the 25 years. It's the commercialized stuff is clickbaity. And we all know that. 
And this cuts right through that in a very compelling way. So I see a million endless uses for this. It's going to be my new favorite thing ever. And just another example, like for back for e-commerce, we all are faced with these hard, overwhelming choices. Here's a choice. And this is a real current question. YouTube shorts versus Instagram reels. Which one is more effective for generating free or organic social traffic? Now that's a very sophisticated question, but this is the world we, you and I, we live in this world of generating traffic. And so we know that these platforms all have new tools and the question is they're all powered by an algorithm. And so which algorithm is giving you the most reach and most potential for high quality engagement and traffic. And those algorithms are changing all the time. Imagine if you can ask ChatGPT this real time question about which algorithm is producing. Now, you you generally, to get that answer before three days ago, you generally would have to listen to a Gary Vaynerchuk 30-minute presentation. Yeah. He's on stage saying, you have to invest in LinkedIn videos yeah. because they are giving it away for free. And you're like, oh my gosh, I hadn't heard that. Or he'll yeah. say, the biggest, best thing is now, well, what does he know? He knows a lot and he has a, me a media agency. Yeah. But that's still heuristic levels. That's like listening to somebody who's smart. This is like listening to somebody who's actually interpreting all the data in real time. Now, again, chat GBP is only through 2021. Yeah. So the answer to YouTube shorts versus Instagram reels is YouTube shorts wasn't even like a thing in 2021, unless I'm wrong, but correct me, chat GBT. Um, actually, I've just put that very question to chat GBT <laughs> just to see what the answer would be. And I can tell you which. So you, this is the question, folks, YouTube shorts versus Instagram reels live on air, which is more effective for generating free or organic traffic point taken about this is limited to 2021. So a year's worth of developments are not taken account of. And the answer is this, this really depends on what kind of content you're creating and who your target audience is. Generally speaking, YouTube shorts are more effective for generating free or organic traffic because they're more easily searchable, have longer watch times and allow for more creative and detailed content. Instagram reels, on the other hand, are more effective for quickly creating short snackable content and are more likely to be seen and shared by a larger audience. What a beautifully concise answer. And by the way, may I just say, I, I'm not anti Gary V, but I'm done with watching internet gurus yeah. ranting about yeah. things with energy is obviously important for communication, but I like the fact that it's a calm, well-spoken, <laughs> articulate bit of English that comes back to you. I'm an old school guy. I like that. I'm like, so I'm going, you gotta get out there and sweat, work 20 hour days. I'm not over that as a way of consuming information as well. That's for me, that added bonus. I don't know if that means anything to you or if that doesn't bother you really. No, I feel the same way. It's funny. And this was, it is what it is, but he always just turned me off because it was of his profanity. Everything was profane. What that meant to me was he wasn't my guy. Now, I grew up on the playground. I've heard as many swear words as humanly possible, but that doesn't mean I want to hear it when I'm learning about internet marketing because it doesn't suit who I am. And so to your point, you maybe were provoked in a negative way or triggered by his screamy American style. I was provoked by his presentation, you could call it, a triggered and Chat GPT is much more elegant, concise, and not heuristic, or this is what we think. Because that's why you go to conferences. You go to conferences and sit down in the chair because someone says, this is what we think is happening on ClickFunnels, or here's our funnel, here's our information, or this is what we think about SEO, this is what we think about Google algorithm. 
or the Facebook advertising algorithm. This is what we think the Apple changes to their iOS operating system related to tracking data means. Those are all interpretations based on people's general points of view. And this just cuts through all that. So it's just fascinating. My mind is blown on this whole thing and really excited about it. So I do hope everyone starts to get into this and stop listening to gurus and start consulting the actual data summarized expertise of chat GBT. And this thing's just getting started, dude. They're already talking about chat. I believe the current chat tool is based on what's called GPT 3.5. And they're already talking about rumors are already talking, spreading about when GPT four will arrive. And that will be a, just a more current and higher level functionality. So yeah, I love it. Wow. I, I like it. And this reminds me of a, a lot of science fiction movies where I think you talk to the ship's computer on whatever mm-hmm. science fiction mm-hmm. it is. They normally have that kind of slightly weirdly reasonable, rational formed English. And actually this, I, that quality about it that we've just referenced. So it feels like a very responsible, trusted research mm-hmm. assistant. And that's a different, as you say, that emotional relationship, even though ironically mm-hmm. it's an emotional being. For me mm-hmm. personally, there's a calm, there's a responsibility about it. It's just a more attractive tool. And that kind of feels like after swimming through years of shoutiness on the internet, maybe some karma is going to descend. I don't know. Yeah. I doubtless, this is probably what they said about email or Google just before it all got commercialized. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens next. Well, I guess we ought to leave people with a couple of sort of concluding thoughts. And the first thing is just remind us how to actually start using OpenAI. I think you mentioned it already, but just how we do it. Yeah. The conversation tool, the chat GPT tool is available from the company OpenAI and you can get a free account there. So Michael, you just did it. I think you just went to OpenAI. Yes, openai.com, I think. Yeah. And it set up a free account. And then I push this thing to its limit in terms of the free level. The only criticism I would have of it is it gives you a set of tokens and then you can ask it a bunch of questions and then it'll limit it out. But then if you just restart and go back in, it resets your tokens or something. So I haven't found it to be too chintzy in terms of its, its free, free freemium level, but they do have a pricing plan. But the reality is open AI is literally for, uh, app developers. And so really this chat GPT tool is just, they're just letting people go in and play with it. But what's going to happen is literally, literally like a Cambrian level explosion of tools or whatever the right phrase is, where there will be thousands of tools produced now. And you might see some that catch your eye that work more effectively than others. But it's all coming basically from this open AI company. And so I would say start there, get into it. And I haven't paid for the pre- paid plan yet. I haven't upgraded. I haven't seen a need to. I think that's probably if you're building an app that will be out to the general population where you'll have hundreds or thousands, hundreds of thousands of users or whatever, then they want to pay for the, the access to. It. And who knows? I think we'll be mesmerized by the apps that come from this. But I think for just general use. You can get in and use it for free now and start to learn for your own situation and your own business, your own life. I'll just say this is a final concluding thought because I'm just forming up my own perceptions around this. One of the things that I noticed about my behavior yesterday was that I have things I believe are true and I wanted to validate that statistically they were true or my own heuristics about things and just it wasn't just business stuff it was just like 
what is better, this or that? Statistically, what works better this way or that way, this program or that program? What's more popular, this or that? And it just is a magic answering machine. You know, I mean, an example was I said, if you want to write a nonfiction book that is trending and popular by topic, what would you write about? And it immediately responded back and said, personal growth is the most trending topic for nonfiction book. I would have never guessed that. And anyway, all that to say, I think that's one of the things you can use it for is just challenge your own mental assumptions and what you believe to be true. See what the uh, the wisdom of the internet tells you. Yeah. Wow. Interesting stuff. It's quite mind blowing. I, I, I have several uses. I'm going to use and abuse with it straight away later. What are they? Um, Come on, tell me what comes to your mind. Working on, I'm trying to solve a very difficult question that involves absorbing a lot of data, which is trying to figure out exactly where in the market to position and which exact market niches or sub niches to go after on behalf of a client that I'm probably going to do some account management for. I always tend to stay away from account managing because it can be a lot of work, but it's a lot of learning as well. So that's one of the main reasons I'm doing it. They can be lucrative if the deal works out. And I've got an awful lot of data to crunch. So I'll be intrigued to see what GP, yeah. chat GPT has to say. I, again, it will be a question of getting a thesis from it that I will need to go and validate. But even a good quality thesis can spend hours if you're looking in the right area and it gets firmed up by the data you can find. That saves yeah. you an awful lot of time. Like in the cop movies, right? They have this magic insight or house has his insight into the diagnosis and then suddenly you can go and do some tests and confirm and then that saved you just a monster amount of time. And so that yeah. that uh, creation of quality theses seems to be one of the things it can do for you. And to your point, I really like that Aristotle quote that the, the quality of questions you ask is really how you should be judging things. I, I think luckily I feel as a, a sort of person, as a coach and somebody's done probably hundreds and hundreds of interviews at this point, that asking good quality questions is at least something I've tried to hone as a skill. And that's, it's very interesting to me that actually that's swinging back round is yeah. one of the main things we've got as business owners and indeed as human beings to, to focus on. One of the articles I read about ChatGPT3, I think it was in Slate or something like that. It said that everybody's playing with this thing and writing about what, what's happening. One of the writers said that they ask it to design a perfect interview with a set of questions that would be ideal. And it, you know, it came back with a list of questions for the person to do an interview. Just things like that are very interesting. If you want to nerd out over this, I'll just mention that two sources of knowledge about how, how to go deeper. There's a podcast called AI in Business. Let me pull it up without turning on the audio here. AI in Business is a podcast that you could check out that the AI in business show, I guess it's called the AI in business podcast. Yeah. And so that's one that I've enjoyed. It's got some really interesting info. It's a, a podcast for non-technical business leaders who need to find AI opportunities, align AI capabilities and strategy and deliver ROI. And that's easy to listen to. And it, there's some great episodes there. The other thing that I would encourage everyone to do is Go on Instagram and just search for the hashtag AI, and then you'll see a ton of Dolly 2 images. That's generally what people are using as a hashtag to camp on in Instagram. But if you do the hashtag AI tools, you'll also get tons and tons of Instagram reels and posts that list 
unique tools that are coming out. This is how to be exposed to these new upstart little companies that are making these design tools or writing tools or whatever it might be. And I think that's probably a good place to visit every week or every month to just find out, okay, what else is out there that's emerging? But I would say by far the most important one in for sure, this chat GPT, and it's by far the most powerful of any of these tools in my view. So there you have it. Hopefully that's a good little summary for everybody. I know this conversation is different than our usual format, free forming, learning together here (laughs) moments, but hopefully help. I love it. I think this is very, very exciting times. I love what you're saying, the Cambrian explosion. That's why you are my kind of guy, because that that's the geology stuff. So I believe about 500 million years ago, the fossil record suddenly went from having a few dead trees and such things to an incredible explosion of life for some reason. And I think you're right. I can just visualize right now that the number of people beavering away to create apps and yeah. mobile app and different applications of this. So I think we're going to see an extraordinarily interesting couple of years ahead. I would say this technology. is... This is probably the single greatest moment for internet tool makers since the iPhone came out. I would say that when the app industry was born, because the iPhone allowed for apps, that created just an explosion. And this is going to be similar. But I would guess this shockwave will be bigger because it reaches globally, universally on multi-platform. It's not just an iPhone thing. And you know, like how Google had to create the, the, the Google Play store for the Google Android apps, that this will be universal and ubiquitous everywhere, instantly available. The tools that will be made now, for example, the tools that will be made are tools that will ride on 5G. That podcast I just mentioned talks about this, where these tools will be made available so that people in the bush on the backside of Zambia on their phone can ask this thing a question. Can you imagine that simple delivery mechanism for people who are in that context? How do, you know, I have malaria. What do I do? I don't have any clean water. What do I do? Can you imagine? And it will translate it for their local language. This will be the biggest thing. It'll be bigger than apps for sure. It might, this is the kind of thing it, it, think about it this way. Sorry to just keep, I just keep going up this cycle. Shut up. But think about it this way. You can tell I'm learning out loud here. Could you, for the last 20 years, have imagined anything that would have killed Google or beaten Google as a company? Like, no, it's a winner take all search tool that is not getting uninstalled. I've tried to kill Google or compete with it for the last 20 years and they can't put a dent in the user adoption of Google. But I I don't think I'm wrong to say that if ChatGPT was just released as a search engine, Google would not be used. And I don't say that lightly. Our whole business has been built for the last 12, 13 years on the back of Google SEO and all that. We spend about $23,000 a month on Google ad grant money, Google ads for our charity. So I don't say it lightly. But if this thing gets released in the wild as a search engine, it could beat Google and without even any monetization. I just, so I think it's that powerful and a game changer and uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens. Can you imagine Google being destroyed in one day by a new tool that comes out that literally is so much better, like mind blowingly better that people are like, I don't need Google. I can't see a reason to use Google. 
I think it would probably take more than a day, but it could be a matter of months, I suppose, or a couple of years, I suppose. It depends on the speed of adoption. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Mine's suitably blown Not here. I mean, hype that, or anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, I was going to say, this is the, they're like on day three, we're already predicting the end of, of the biggest Good internet God. giants out there. Let's see what happens next month. Yeah. But unless it gets shut down by, I'm, by Google's I'm sure lawyers. They'll go out of business. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if they're smart, Google buys it tomorrow. Said Jason Miles has said that. Maybe they'll go on chat GPT and say, what should we do about this? They buy it right now, whether it's cheap at a billion dollars or something. Mm -hmm. YouTube was smart enough to buy, sorry, Google was smart enough to buy YouTube. So I think that they may be smart enough to buy this, even nothing else to take it off the board where their own engineers yeah. sprint to catch up by the looks of it. So totally. listen, Matt, this has been a different one, as you say, fascinating and really game changing. And it makes you think in a broader way about what internet marketing is and how it's worked. And also our human relationship to the internet, that interface mm -hmm. seems to me at the very least to be changing now with this. Mm -hmm. And that's a genie that won't probably be going back in the bottle. Yeah, I, for one, am grateful to, to consume information from a reasoned, well-spoken machine rather than certain ranty Google sort Americans. of uh, internet. <laughs> not even Americans, it's just ranty people generally, <laughs> yes. uh, without yeah. referencing particular people. But it's, it's, yeah. I, I'm a man who likes a, a well-reasoned and well-spoken, articulated way of putting things as do you, I think. So hopefully that style comes across in the people that follow us and like us, I suppose, like the same kinds of things. I guess the final thing to say in rather mundanely, insofar as podcasts still exist in a couple of years time, they haven't been taken over by everything else here. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on whatever your player of choice is. And uh, you heard it here first, uh, along with the rest of the internet, I think. <laughs> but yeah. And watching edge stuff. I'll just add one call to action as well. If this is a new topic to your community and people who you think would be interested in learning about it, share this podcast episode with them. And hopefully that'll be a good introduction to the ideas we've shared, but also it allows them to learn more about the e-commerce leader show and all that. So that would be, a, I think this is a great episode to share. If you have a business partner or a spouse who you work with or people in your marketing team or whatever, share this episode so they understand the lay of the land and can dive into this topic with us. But maybe by the time you hear this, everyone will already be using ChatGPT as its default search tool. And Google will be a thing of the past and we'll be like, yeah, we all know this because literally it took the world by storm. But as of today, this is breaking news and interesting stuff that people haven't heard about. Great. Thanks so much, Mom, for bringing. I've been learning a lot from this today as well. And uh, I hope that everyone who's listening has been as well. So thanks for joining us all, guys, in a exciting, breaking news show. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.